A hundred billion stars. Okay. In the observable mm. universe, which we're not entirely sure. There's probably parts that we cannot perceive. But anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> we have a live <laughs> fact checker in our episode today. <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Widow Podcast, the show about anything, everything, and today, science. Yes, we are going to be talking about the solar system, deep space, we're going to be talking about NASA, we're going to be talking about all kinds of fun things because we have a very special guest, our very own solar system ambassador, Debbie Montenegro, here in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I love this interview. I had so much fun talking with Debbie because she makes science very accessible to non-science people like myself. <laughs> so whereas most people start talking about some of these things and you're like, yeah, I don't really understand what's happening or why should I care what's happening? Uh, she has a really, really great talent for making these things not only um, relevant, but interesting to listen to. And we also got to talk about a lot of other things, like what it's like to, to grow up in an immigrant family. We get to talk about Guatemalan cuisine, something that if you haven't tried, you need to try for sure. Um, we talk about why Debbie drinks hot chocolate year-round. We talk about do apples have cores or not, because apparently that's a hot topic right now. Um, we settled that debate definitively, in case you're wondering. But enough with the intro. Let's go right into that interview. So, Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So... Debbie is definitely the smartest person that we've had on the show <laughs> so far. So sweet. Um, you have a Master of Science mm -hmm. and a Bachelor in Chemistry, yes. correct? Um, La Química. Yes. So tell us a little bit about just who you are. Who is Debbie Montenegro? Yeah. So um, I've loved science and science fiction ever since I was a little girl. Um, when I was little, my dad would come home and he would watch telenovelas, which are Spanish novellas. And so for a while, that's all we could really watch on TV. <laughs> um, but then we got a small second TV in my brother's room. And that's where we started to watch Star Trek, The Next Generation. And we saw some Star Wars movies and other sci-fi related stuff, and we were just sold. And uh, <laughs> my older brother, my younger sister, and I are like peas in a pod. And we would just do everything together. And so we just loved it so much. Um, my brother would make spaceships. He would, we would go to, um, I think, Sam's. So we could, you know, the cardboard boxes they yeah. have for you. We would go and select those just so we can go back home. And he would, on graph paper, he would design the ships on graph paper. Oh, wow. Use an X-Acto knife, cut it up. <laughs> and make like a tie fighter with cardboard and like hot glue and, and how so, old were you guys at this point oh i mean we're like little kids <laughs> i mean we're just you know and uh i mean he he's a computer scientist now so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Makes but sense. um uh or a computer engineer sorry um but so we just we always loved it we would take our hamster and we'd have her run through what was the <laughs> enterprise or the tie fighter we had a hamster we called her hamsty um, and she would run around in it. And so we just, we loved it. And in our free time, my parents would take us to the community pool or the library, the public library. And so that's really where I got my love of books from because mm. you could go and it was just free to read whatever books you wanted. And so I would sit there and I would just read for hours. I would read all the science fiction books they had. They had like 
books that are extended story on like Star Wars where like Princess Leia and Han Solo get married and have children and all this <laughs> stuff and they have little like Jedi babies and <laughs> like I just loved reading all of that um, and so it got to the point where I would have read all of the sci-fi section in the public library that I was allowed to read as a child <laughs> and my mom would have to take us to the main branch downtown wow. so that I could have more books to read um, and that's in San Antonio I actually grew up in San Antonio mm. which love love that place um and so, uh, anyway, so I just, I've always had that love for science. And so by the time I decided on my major for college, um, I thought, you know, what's something that'd be interesting, that'd be challenging, but also something that I, th I think I, I think I can do. And so mm. chemistry seemed like something that was interesting, also challenging, but also something that I, I, I thought I could do. And so that's what I did. Um, and I did undergraduate work, worked in a laboratory with some chemists and biochemists, um, you know, worked with spectrometers and like all the things that you would see in a lab. Um, but when I graduated, I realized that I actually wanted to work more with people which is interesting because I think part of what I, I thought I would like about the lab was, you know, being alone. Because mm. a lot of times in the lab, you're, you're kind of alone. It's just you and the machines yeah. and maybe some other random lab person who's <laughs> really quiet in the corner. Um, <laughs> and so I taught chemistry. And so I'm still setting up, taking down labs. You know, every other day I'm setting up a lab, taking down a lab, putting up, you know, tiny portions of chemicals so the high school students can't blow themselves up, you know, you don't want to give them that much, that but you want to give important. them enough, yeah. you want to give them enough to be able to, you know, tr test things out. Um, you know, <laughs> have high schoolers who want to, you know, blow something up with the Bunsen burners, so got to mm. make sure they don't do that, but also make sure they have fun. Um, and so I did that for a little bit. And then I went back to school and I got my master's of science and health informatics. Um, and that was partly because I found the area of health fascinating. And so that's where I kind of switched over. Um, and after that, I worked at a nursing school, um, and then I worked at a healthcare system. I worked for the Department of Epidemiology, and we focused on cardiovascular diseases um, because that's a huge, um, just public disease where you know a lot of people end up um, sadly passing away due to heart disease. And mm. so that was something that we did a lot of studies on. Um, and so I have a few publications on PubMed, which is really exciting because if you type in Montenegro, you see like it pop up <laughs> on there. So sometimes I'll just like, you know, I don't know, it's part of me that's kind of proud of like, you know, being a family that's come over here from Guatemala to be able to be like, let me type my name in PubMed. Yeah. There it is. Um, so that's <laughs> kind of fun. Uh, so I worked there for a long time, learned a lot about the heart and heart related issues so that I'm, I'm big on that. So that's kind of what got me into the public health area. Mm. Um, and so I've been a researcher for a while, got published, really exciting. Um, and then I found out about this job that kind of rolled up all of my previous jobs into one. And so the UNTL Science Center got a grant from the National Institutes of Health, National Library of Medicine, uh, to carry out this program and it's education and outreach and we give out grants. Um, and for like health literacy hmm. and things like that. And so um, they wanted someone who could teach, who's been an educator, who knows about science, who's done research type of situation, um, but who also could do outreach mm -hmm. as well, um, and who also knew about grants. So that's kind of a lot of different things in one, yeah. um, which seems kind of like a random mixture of, of <laughs> talents. Um, and I just looked at that and I went, oh, that's me. <laughs> and so I like applied and I was like, oh, I'll never hear back from them, you know. And, uh, and then I, one of my coworkers the next day was like, oh, we've got a call. They're already calling you references. And that's when you know that, you know, they might be interested. Yeah. And so I interviewed. Um, and what's funny is that I actually, so I was living in Dallas at that time. And I hadn't been to Fort Worth in a while. 
Um, I think the last time I'd been to Fort Worth was, you know, in college you go dancing at Billy Bob's, you know, mm -hmm. that's what you do. And so, you know, <laughs> Dallasites will make the trek out to Fort Worth for Billy Bob's. Um, and so I think I'd only been out here at night in that case. I don't think I'd actually <laughs> seen it during the day. Uh, and so I, we came over, a friend of ours invited us to go to the Museum of Art, the Modern Museum of Art in Fort Worth. And it was um, that weekend that I was waiting to hear back. And so we're walking around and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that Fort Worth had such nice areas, like really nice areas. Like the cultural district is beautiful. The museums are beautiful. Um, and we walk out in the back of the modern museum and I look up and I see the giant UNT Hill Science Center sign. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's here? <laughs> like, I, I didn't know, you know, because you're, you're filling out paperwork and you're submitting, you know, your resumes or things. Um, and so that just kind of, I think solidified further my thoughts about working there, mm -hmm. you know, just it being here and coming and seeing it. Um, and so then they called me and I, I got the interview and, um, and just, you know, coming into downtown Fort Worth, seeing how nice it was, um, you know, that whole area, Sundance Square. Um, and then, you know, everyone there that I interviewed was so nice. It's a full day interview. Um, and you just get interviewed the entire day that sounds by exhausting. several different types of people. <laughs> and then you give a presentation to everyone mm. for about, I think, 45 minutes to an hour was my presentation. Like, so this is your first wow. time meeting them and you're presenting to them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of nerve wracking. But for some reason, I was just chill that day. Like mm. I was, you know, I just thought, you know, if this is meant to be, it'll be meant to be. And if yeah. not, then, you know, it, it won't happen. And so, uh, but it did happen. And I'm really excited that it did. Um, and so now I run around. Uh, in a f around a five-state region mostly, but I travel a lot. Um, well, I say a lot. I probably travel like once or twice a month. Um, and I and I travel to conferences. Um, I do site visits, um, presentations. Um, but a lot of it is teaching people um, how to find resources that are reliable. Um, mm -hmm. Because especially now with like the internet and everything, there's so many resources that just aren't reliable. Yeah. Um, and, and then helping them be literate in health. Um, so, you know, when people go to the doctor... You know, the, they'll have a few minutes with the doctor. The doctor says a couple of things they don't understand. The doctor walks off, and you're left not understanding what's going on with your own health, how mm. to proceed, how to move forward. Um, so just trying to help people um, with, with that terminology and, like, learning more about that so they can help themselves be healthier. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing now. Um, and then in a turn of events, um, I have an awesome director who also likes to let us follow and pursue our passions. And so I love everything to do with space and science fiction so much. <laughs> um, and she just thought, you know, why don't you do something about astronaut health? And I thought in my head, I don't, I don't, what would I do like with astronaut health? And I just said, okay, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like not having any idea what it would be about. Yeah. Um, uh, and I did, I created a whole class. I've presented it, I don't know, like at six or seven conferences so far. And I've got it lined up to be presented at more conferences. Um, and I pretty much just talk about like, you know, astronauts and their health situation, but then tying it back to like a regular health situation for someone who's a patient here. Mm -hmm. Um, and just that kind of sort of thing. So that's kind of, uh, uh, blown up a bit. And then that s snowballed into the whole NASA solar system ambassador thing. Uh, I met one at one of the conferences and I, you know, came back to work and told everybody at my office about it. And I partnered with that person on a couple of things. And they were like, hey, Debbie, you're like, you're really good at this stuff. Why don't you apply, you know? <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I was like, no, like they would, they wouldn't pick me. Like, I don't, you know, I don't have enough experience or whatever. Um, and I think that has to do a lot with imposter syndrome. Like a lot of people, um, 
Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but some, some people experience that in the science field. And w- um, what is that? Oh, imposter syndrome is when you've kind of moved up the ranks, you know, in your field, say the science field, and you feel as if you're not experienced enough. But in actuality, mm. you are. Maybe mm. you are even more experienced than the other people that are your peers, but you feel as if you're not. Mm. And so that gives you this feeling of like not belonging um, or of not having earned your place when you have. Mm. Um, and so I've, I've felt that some as like a woman, a minority woman in STEM, uh, STEM being science, technology, engineering, and math. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that, you know, and so, um, but what I really like about my current job is I have coworkers who are very encouraging mm-hmm. and who help me out of that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think just one of them mentioned that and I thought, oh, maybe I should try it. Like, <laughs> you know, there's no harm in trying. And so I've called this the year of trying things that scare me. Um, (laughs) and so I submitted my application. It was a rigorous process. They asked for more information than I've had to submit for like regular jobs, um, submitted like all the proposals I've, you know, conference presentations I've done, grants that I've, you know, all this stuff. Um, they asked for five references. They called all my references. Um, there's one day my boss is running through the hallway going, I just got a call from NASA JPL. (laughs) And she was so excited. Um, and, uh, and that's when I knew they were calling my references for that. So that was really exciting. Um, and then I got um, a legit snail mail letter from NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory with all of the paperwork um, to be appointed as a NASA Solar System Ambassador. Um, wow. So that's pretty pretty fun. Um, and, and essentially, the ambassadorship is they, um, you know, they select us and we agree to do at least a minimum of four outreach events mm-hmm. in our communities um, within the year. And in return, we get access to scientific briefings from their like scientists and engineers at NASA with their different missions that they're doing at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Yeah. Um, and so I am fascinated by that. So I'm like, sure, I will do events for you <laughs> if I get access to those briefings. So that's really fun. Um, and then that also helps us to be able to update others on what's going on. Mm. Um, so that's an interesting thing. And so ambassadors have been around for about 20 years. Okay. Um, they span across the nation and They've carried out, I believe, a total of 40,000 events in that time. Wow. Um, and they've also, uh, we have reporting systems. And so um, in the reports, they show that they've reached about 9 million people directly hmm. in that time with all of the different events. And different events can span from like, you know, doing um, something like a telescope at your library, you know, type event mm-hmm. to, you know, presenting at a conference. So it could be different things. Yeah. Um, it could be more for kids or adults. It's just kind of whatever you want it to be in that sense. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really cool. Um, I mean, I want to backtrack mm-hmm. just a little yeah. bit when you were talking about um, like astronaut health. Um, mm-hmm. So, but the first thing that popped in my mind is like, oh, like I've never thought about that. That's mm-hmm. really interesting because you would think that, yeah, there's going to be different kind of things that they're experiencing mm-hmm. in space. So like what are some of the things that you, um, like are you giving them advice on like what they should be eating, how they should be exercising? Mm-hmm. Like what, what does that really entail? Yeah, so mostly I just inform people about like what's happening. So they have something called fluid shifts. Um, and so since there's a lack of gravity where they are, mm-hmm. um, normally on earth, gravity pulls things downward. So you have your circulatory system, your blood flowing a certain way and mm-hmm. kind of being pulled down to your feet, um, because you're standing. Right. Yeah. Um, but in space you don't have that. And so their blood ends up circulating all around their bodies. And so you have an increased pressure in say your head because mm. your blood is now flowing all around instead of just 
down below. Okay. Um, and so that can create some issues. Um, and some, they're still doing studies on it that are supposed to come out soon. So I'm watching for those papers. Um, but they were having some vision problems hmm. that they thought might be related because you have more blood pressure pushing against the back of your eyes. Okay. Like the, the veins that are back there. And so that could potentially create vision problems um, is the last that I read. But hmm. I actually met the former director of all human research on the International Space Station like a week and a half ago. Hmm. Um, and he just retired last year. But he was telling me that he thinks that's not the case. And he told me to keep an eye out for papers coming out soon. Um, oh, wow. And so that was fascinating to me. Um, because, you know, it, science are trying to find things out. So there's like some theories that people come up with, but it might turn out to be something else. Mm. Um, and so those should be coming out soon too. Um, but one other thing I found fascinating is when that first came out, when that, um, eye syndrome issue was coming out as a thing, um, one thing they realized is that the female astronauts weren't experiencing those vision problems. Mm. And so I asked them about that and I was like, whoa, I was like, you know, they mentioned this like a year ago or two years ago. I'm like, what's up with that? Yeah. Um, and he was like, well... Um, you know, female biology is just capable of, of shifting fluids around more. Hmm. And so that could be why they're not having the eye issues. And that just kind of blew my mind because I never yeah. really thought about that. Um, and another thing about that, too, is that there's a lot of things that they've come up with technologically in the space program that come down to us, like in everyday stuff. Yeah. Um, and so they have to figure out how to solve really hard issues. Um, so... Like, let's say in this situation, there's some technology NASA came up with that is now used to um, create what they call a VAD, which is a ventricular assist device. And they use that um, for heart procedures. Hmm. Um, and heart, you know, heart, um, as I said before, like heart disease being one of the major uh, factors in, in humans passing away, sure. like that's a huge deal to have a technology come out that will help with heart surgery. Yeah. So like there's things that directly correlate and come down to like the everyday person that we might not know. And so, and that, that exceeds past just the human health aspect, mm -hmm. like just technologically at all. Um, I was reading about some stuff earlier where they were talking about like even sneakers, mm -hmm. like say your Air Jordans, right? They wouldn't be around if it wasn't for NASA because NASA originally came up with technology for the boots the astronauts had to wear on the Apollo missions to the moon. And they <laughs> wanted boots that were springy because the moon has about one sixth of the gravity of Earth. So you're gonna bounce around more, right? Okay. And so they wanted to make these boots that were a little more springy, had a little bit different technology than regular shoes. That technology ended up going into your regular sneakers and now we have Air Jordans. <laughs> That's crazy. So like, <laughs> thanks NASA for your Air Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> and other sneakers that are popular right now. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool yeah. how you get to see how kind of this this technology and this mm -hmm. research that most of us are not going to be exposed to how that relates to us mm -hmm. kind of on an everyday level. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Just like temper, uh, what is it? The temper foam, right? Uh huh. Like that the, stuff. Yeah. That the NASA. memory foam. Yeah. The memory foam. They had to create that because they, um, the landing for astronauts is so violent when they come mm -hmm. back down to earth yeah. that they needed chairs that would perfectly fit their bodies okay. in their suits. And so they came up with that technology, but now like, you know, people have, Tempur-Pedic memory foam stuff for their dogs. Like I've yeah. seen dog beds <laughs> that have memory foam. And I'm like, oh, hey dog, you now yeah. have this creature comfort. Thanks to, to NASA technology. Our this dogs dog are is so not spoiled now. They are. My dog is so spoiled. 
<laughs> what I see the dog on um, on Jordan on your husband's <laughs> Instagram. What kind yes. of dog is he? He's a miniature American Shepherd. He's so tiny. I know. He's, he's like twenty him, like, pounds. He can jump like six feet in the air, though. Yes, like it's ridiculous. It <laughs> is insane. He can jump really high. Um, so as um, someone who is super interested in you know space and um, and being a solar system ambassador, which by the way, let, it just deserves to be mentioned that that's such a cool title. I like, know, what I a badass it. title to have. Like, <laughs> you're the ambassador for the entire solar system. Mm. <laughs> yes, you know, with great responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man. But, um, um, but what is it? And, and mm. it's okay if, like, if you don't, if you can't pinpoint it, mm -hmm. but, like, what is it about space that really interests you? Like, what is it that, because deep space to yeah. me is like terrifying. I'm like, nope, oh, I have no desire yes. to go up there at all. Well, so I think for me, part of it is the ideology of it. Like, I love this whole space thing because it brings people together. Um, so in the 60s, the United States was in a Cold War with Russia, right? And so we were in this conflict and the United States came together as one and we said we're going to go to space and we used like four percent of the government's funding to do this and President Kennedy came out and he gave one of my favorite speeches of all time which I'm not even a huge like history buff or anything but he says you know we choose to go to the moon he has this whole speech which I love um, and he basically tells you know the people who are working on the space cram space program have just sent someone up for like 15 minutes and like this is all they have achieved and then the president comes out and says in 10 years we will put a man on the moon the space <laughs> program is like what <laughs> what you know it's like that's a lot to expect out of them like yeah. they just put a guy up there for like 15 minutes just just outside of our space like not the moon so they have 10 years to figure this out um and they do and they put people on the moon and i think how many people i think there's been like 70 I may be wrong on that. Can you look it up, my Jamie Jordan? We have, we have um, a fact yeah. checker We have today. a fact checker here. How many people have been to the moon? Um, anyway, while he's checking that. Um, and so what I thought was fascinating about scientific... It's 12... Just kidding. 12 people. 12 people. Okay, 12 okay. people have been to the moon so far. We'll back it up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 12 people have been to the moon. Uh, one thing that I found interesting and fascinating about that is how many people it actually takes to get those people there. Mm, um, yeah. So, you know, if you're talking even just about one mission, say, for example, um, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory has InSight. InSight is out in the Kuiper Belt right now. It just took pictures of Pluto. It just took pictures of Ultima Thule, which is this very old ancient object in our asteroid belt outside of our solar system. It's out there, like, taking these images. Um, it took, like, hundreds of people to get that small mission together. And that's mm. a small mission in comparison to the other ones. Cassini was um, a, a probe that went out to take images of Saturn. And that one, I read somewhere that 5,000 people touched Cassini in order to make Cassini work. Wow. And so, and these are just like singular missions. And if you look at it, there's a sheet, um, or there's a site on NASA where you can see all the different missions that are happening. It, the sheet is like full of those missions. <laughs> um, so what I think is fascinating is that it takes hundreds, thousands even, of people working together, using their talents and their passions in order to come together and do something great. Mm. 
and to achieve something that would normally be impossible if you didn't have all those people working together. Yeah. So, and that comes true with all things that we have that are technological, like your smartphones and things like that. Like there wasn't one person who created this smartphone. Yeah. Like there's companies all around the nation, all around the world who create, you know, conductors, semiconductors, you know, all this stuff. Um, and, and, you know, there might be one overarching company that gets all those things together and puts them together, but that's still, you've got like hundreds of people in one company, you know, thousands of people in another company. You've got people putting the components together, people welding things together, people coming up with the code, people coming up with the software, people coming up with the hardware. Like you have all of these talents and skills um, from brilliant people, so many of them. Um, and so together we're able to make something great like a smartphone or a shuttle rocket that takes people to the moon. Um, so that's why I'm passionate about it because I see it as something that can bring people together and when they are together, they can create really awesome things. Um, and so that's why I also kind of like that, well, I really like that it's, the title of it is an ambassadorship mm -hmm. um, because like, I see that, I see that. Like it's, it's bringing different people together to do something great. Yeah, wow, that's mm -hmm. awesome. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so you mentioned uh, that your family is from Guatemala, right? Yes, yeah. Um, so are they, tell us, well, I guess just mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that and what, what is it like growing up in, yeah. um, in that culture? Soy una chapina. Yeah. Um, well, so, so I was really little. Um, and so I've mostly grown up in Texas, um, but of course I have a family here. So I've grown up, you know, with my grandma making the tamales and all mm. the food and speaking in Spanish and things. And so my first language actually was Spanish okay. um, because my parents thought process behind that was if I learned Spanish first and then went to school that I wouldn't um, necessarily forget Spanish. Right. Mm. Because mm -hmm. if they taught me English first, maybe I wouldn't ever learn Spanish, yeah. um, especially, you know, just going to school here, you're going to learn what the language is. Yeah. Um, and so they didn't want, they wanted to give me a chance to, to retain our, our cultural language. Yeah. Um, and so there's videos of me that my parents have when I'm like five and I'm speaking perfect Spanish, which is just <laughs> mind blowing to me because right now my Spanish is a little, it's all right. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> and so I'm like, wow, like yeah. I spoke it really well. What happened? Um, and so now it's just kind of, you know, I gotta get by with it. Um, <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so, you know, part of that is growing up and watching, you know, telenovelas, you know, when you get home, because that's what dad walks, watches when he's home from work. Um, all I can remember when I was five is like Maria del Barrio, Marimar, Maria Mercedes, and whatever else Talia was in, yeah. because she was <laughs> in everything. Yeah. Um, not to disparage her, I love her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she was great. Um, but yeah, it was just like the same the same actress in, in a different soap opera that was basically the same thing, just in a different setting. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, that's why when we got a second TV, I was like, oh. There's other options. There's other <laughs> options. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, just that culture, that, that very... Um, uh, I don't know how to word it, but, you know, my parents were very strict um, because they were also, you know, scared. Sometimes when you're in a different place, you're scared. You don't know um, what can happen, and so you want to protect your children. Mm. And so they were very um, strict and tough. And so my siblings and I, you know, were perfect students, you know, just worked really hard. We were either at school or at church doing good things. You know, mm. that's, that's how it was. Um, and so, you know, part of me... Um, Think so that's a bit rough for a child to, to be held to such high standards. Mm. Um, but I think in the end, it ended up 
for us anyway, working out all right. Yeah. Um, my brother and sister are both awesome. Um, my brother actually works at Apple headquarters um, as a, but he can't even tell us what he does actually because you know they all have NDAs or whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. But he's a computer person. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. what I know. Does important things. Yeah, he does important things. Secret things. <laughs> Secret things. Uh, but he, you know, the things that you use your, I guess you know a lot of people have phones and computers for now. Yeah. Um, and then my sister uh, is a nurse, okay. and she's a very caring, very sweet person, very smart too. Mm. Um, and she's actually doing her master's in nursing education because there's actually a huge shortage of nursing educators in the United States right now. Mm. Um, and so, you know, she wants to help out with that. So she's working on that right now. Yeah. Yeah. So were your so were your parents um, kind of math and science people too? Because it seems like all of you guys. Kind I of know, went that right? Route. It's so interesting. They're actually not. And okay. I've always wondered like where that came from because <laughs> all three of us turned out like to be just like science people yeah um my mom is a teacher and uh, well she recently she became a counselor but she was a teacher for the longest time a bilingual education teacher mm -hmm. so spanish and english um and my dad was an accountant so i don't at least there's some numbers <laughs> I mean, there maybe yeah. <laughs> so i mean i think there's a lot of pressure from my mom she would say um you know you can't uh, get married until you at least have your master's degree. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, things like that. And so, <laughs> and, and I understand because from her perspective, you know, she had uh, her teaching certificate from Guatemala, but when we moved here, it meant nothing. So she mm -hmm. had to restart her entire educational program yeah. with three children. She worked full-time as a teacher. She went to school, I'm, I'm assuming equally, you know, full-time. Mm -hmm. um, she had to redo her bachelor's. She got her master's. Um, I think it took like nine years because wow. she's working full-time, going to school, and taking care of three children. Mm -hmm. Like, she was superwoman. Yeah. Um, but I think that was a really difficult thing to do. Um, and so I think she wanted to spare my sister and I, and my brother, from that difficulty. Yeah. And so she would tell us, like, no, no babies yet. You know, go to school. You must have your master's degree at, at a minimum. Yeah, <laughs> was her standard, <laughs> and and I, and I think you know sometimes your parents do that because they've um, suffered in a way, mm. and so I think she wanted to help us from that. And we actually did. I think most of us. I had my master's degree. I think the summer before I got married. Um, so I. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah so so I did, did it. Yeah. I did it. I did it, mom. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, mommy. <laughs> That's super cool. So yeah. so you and your siblings are first generation American, then, or were your parents? So it's kind of confusing in that way. Like were we, were, were we were really little. Okay. I was born yeah, here, yeah. but but we did kind of visit a lot and then come back. Yeah, so yeah. so I mean I, I guess so yeah. But I mean really I, we grew up here. Sure. So yeah. Um, Texans. Yeah. So we're we're <laughs> Texans. Um, Guatemalan Texans. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. That's yeah. a thing. Yeah. 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 So it's funny, though, because people will ask me that. Um, I remember I was at work one day, and we're going around the table, and someone, I think it was the CQO of the, of the health science mm -hmm. group, and, uh, and he was like, oh, you know, where's everyone from? And I don't remember what my answer was, but he just looked at me, and he said, are you a Texan? And I was like, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, okay. And I was like, what was that about? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was <laughs> this is just confused by I know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that was about. Um, but yeah, yeah so it, it is interesting. Um, I think at the time it felt lonely hmm. because we didn't know many other Guatemalan families hmm. in the area, even though it was San Antonio. So, I mean, you know, it's 
definitely a, there's a strong Latino culture there, which I yeah. think was great for us. Um, but I didn't know many other Guatemalans. So we knew like one other family mm-hmm. um, that was Guatemalan and they ended up becoming our best friends. Mm. Um, and um, we still talk today. And so we grew up, but it did feel kind of lonely. Uh, what's interesting though, is now that we're grown, we've come to find out that we weren't alone. We just thought we were. Mm. Um, and so there's stuff coming out like Me Too or mm-hmm. Pero Like and all that, you know, all those different social media accounts that are um, kind of speaking to those of us who've grown up in two different cultures. Yeah. Um, and I love it. Like we just, we send each other snippets of the videos all the time. Yeah. We're just cracking <laughs> up because we're like, oh my gosh, like this whole time, this whole time we were thought we were alone and we weren't. Mm. And now we know. And uh, I wish I could go back in time and tell little Debbie, like you, you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about food. Let's mm-hmm. talk about let's talk about Guatemalan food because it's yes. something that not a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah, um, it's very different. It's not something I think most people would just have. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what are mm-hmm. what are some things that like you remember growing up Ooh. eating? Um, so definitely black beans, right? Mm-hmm. Versus the refried or pinto. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, I insist on having black beans when I go somewhere. I'll ask them to swap it out with yeah. the pinto yeah. or whatever else they have. Um, and the rice is a little bit different. Um, I don't even know how to explain that, but it's just different. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, lots of soup stews, chicken stews, I guess would be the translation. Um, a lot of chicken stews. And um, like today we had pepian which uses crushed seeds. There's a lot of like crushed seed powders, I guess you could okay. say. Um, so like when I was used in the soups? Yeah, used in, in all the things actually. Okay. Um, and so like when I was little, um, you wouldn't just eat an apple. You would get a green apple, you'd cut it up and you'd dip it in what we call pepita, which is like mm-hmm. crushed. I guess the closest equivalent would be like pumpkin seeds. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, fruits are different there. They have more stuff, mm-hmm. fruits and vegetables growing there. Um, and so that's how we would eat apples. Mm. I thought that's how everyone ate apples. Um, <laughs> <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah, surprise. And go to school and people are like, what's that? It looks like you're dipping your green apples in like dirt or something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's delicious though. Yeah. Um, do you eat, yeah. do you eat the center of the apple, the core of the apple? <gasps> no. Does and anyone do that? Yes. Really? So oh. there's, so there's some people who eat it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I saw someone do that, it really freaked me out. I was like, mm-hmm. what, what are you doing? Though? Yeah. You shouldn't what, eat that what? part. And then there's a whole, like, movement of people mm-hmm. who say that there is no apple core. And that if you eat it from top to bottom, what? it, like, essentially, I'm making air quotes, disappears. I'm huh. like, no, there's a, there's yeah, a no, core. There's a clear core. In the middle. <laughs> there's it's got seeds, seeds in it. In it that, and that it's, might have um, certain, and uh, it's disgusting. Yeah. And, like, it's not going to hurt you, even though there's, like, what, like, trace amounts of, like. I was going to say, isn't there trace amounts of, of like, cyanide or something? Yeah, cyanide yeah, and apple seeds, yeah. yeah. So, so people, there, there is an apple core. Don't mm. eat it. Um, but if you want to dip it in the pepitas, that sounds delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Crushed pepita. Um, but even like our horchata is different. Like here people Mm. get like horchata. Yeah. Um, and it's just a really sugary, milky kind of drink, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but over there, like it's, it's not milk, it's rice based and it's not as sweet it, they actually sometimes use some of that um seed powder in it so it's a okay. little more <laughs> like grainy grainy <laughs> so okay. i don't know that it's everyone's cup of tea i think it's one of those <laughs> things where you kind of have to like grow up have grown up eating it yeah eating does it. it still have like cinnamon in it is it still like yeah oh yeah oh yeah, yeah 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 and then oh my favorite of course is the guatemalan hot chocolate 
Mm. Uh, there's no, it's definitely a different flavor than what people are used to, but it's delicious. Well, because so what's it is different about it? Like the about. real stuff. It just it feels more earthy. Like it okay. feels more. Well, like cocoa, like, like unsweetened, dense, like real chocolate. Real chocolate, like mm. not this processed stuff. Like yeah. you've got like the real, like someone just grabbed some cacao beans and like grinded them and then just put it into this bar <laughs> and gave it to you. Like it feels kind of on that level, okay. <laughs> which I appreciate because I yeah. love chocolate. Yeah, we were, we were talking about earlier that you drink hot chocolate year round. I do. <laughs> I do. What's, With the exception of We live of in like Texas. <laughs> How do you I drink hot chocolate in like August? It's, it's a problem. Um, well, so that's like my one vice, I guess I would say, is this hot chocolate addiction. Um, yeah, I just, I love chocolate so much. I will make my hot chocolate every night. And like the only time I won't will be in July or August when it's like, you know, in the 100 degrees in yeah. Texas. And in that case, I'll make cold chocolate, <laughs> which is essentially exactly how I make my hot chocolate, except I just don't heat it up. Yeah. So, yeah. so how do you make your, your hot chocolate? What goes into it? Oh, well, so I try different things. Um, I like to use cocoa powder, honey, um, if you're just doing like a very basic cocoa, mm -hmm. um, and then just slowly adding the milk and whisking it until mm -hmm. it dissolves. And of course, it helps if the milk is warmer, so the hot chocolate is a lot easier to make. Yeah. Um, and then I have some other mixes, you know, pre-made mixes and things like that. There's abuelitas hot chocolate, of course. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then I have Guatemalan hot chocolate, which comes in bricks. Um, and then you melt it in a saucepan, and then you you know gradually add your milk and your cinnamon. Um, if I make it in the saucepan, I definitely like to add a cinnamon stick, um, mm -hmm. and just let that kind of sit in there, unless it already has cinnamon in it. Yeah. Um, and so I'll just kind of make those different. But I have different types. I have all different types of hot chocolates, powders, bricks. <laughs> um, I'm just imagining like a whole yeah. pantry of just cho <laughs> that, a chocolate that actually wall. Actually, it's a whole shelf in my pantry is dedicated oh just my to God. The hot chocolate. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, and we were kind of mm -hmm. talking about, too, like, I never know what to believe about, mm -hmm. like, health benefits of food items. Oh, my goodness. But, yes. like, isn't, like, just, like, you know, unsweetened, like, cocoa mm -hmm. is, does have health benefits. Yeah, yeah. True or false. You, you, you <laughs> 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 I mean, like, you know, just not a ton, like, like <laughs> As I say that, um, you don't seem yeah, super confident. About this. <laughs> like, well, yeah, no. I mean, if it's a natural product and you don't really add a lot of artificial sweetener to it, and you still keep retain the fiber section of it, because really that's what fruit does for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like fruit is these fibers wrapped up with sh natural sugar in it, and so as long as you eat it along with the fiber, it's generally still healthy for you. Um, mm -hmm. It's when you remove that fiber content and only drink the sugary part that it's no longer really that great for gotcha. you as far as the health as aspect goes. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> your your hot chocolate addiction, we'll say it's, it's uh, not, maybe not unhealthy. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's there and it's not going away. about um my love and passion for space that i wanted to mention too yeah. um is whenever astronauts do go up into space a lot of them experience something called the overview effect hmm. and when they're up there it, it usually happens when they are seeing the earth from that viewpoint for the first time and a lot of them have an entire shift in perspective hmm. um because you're no longer 
you know, just here, you're up there seeing the whole planet at once. Yeah. And so it creates this new feeling in them and these new thoughts in them that we're all one species, hmm. right? We're all this one group of humans on this one planet. And from space, you don't see borders. You don't see demarcations of different areas. All you see is one planet. Hmm. Um, and I think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful to see that. Um, and I think that's also part of why I like science so much is the hope, right? The hope that things can be better, mm -hmm. that people can be better. Um, and so that just fascinates me when they see that. And I wish that everyone could see that because mm. um, I think it would help things be a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's really beautiful. Um, so as um, someone who comes from um, an immigrant family and, mm -hmm. and being a minority woman mm -hmm. who has achieved a very high level of education mm -hmm. and um, is working in, um, you know, a a science field um, which does not fit the typical <laughs> image that we, <laughs> you know, kind of the yeah. national narrative of mm -hmm. what, um, you know, the kind of people that immigrant families mm -hmm. become mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. What would you say to um, to other immigrant families that, that are living in the States mm -hmm. or who, who have come here and um, mm -hmm. maybe have, you know, dreams and aspirations to, to yeah. do different things? I would say um, to be persistent and to not let people keep you down. Um, there are many times in my life where there were people who tried to keep me down or out. Um, and I think a lot of times our families can help lift each other up in that situation. And so I think for us, part of our I guess success, you could say, is that our family was so tight-knit mm. um, and that we always had each other's back. And I know that's not the case for everyone. Um, and so my heart goes out to them, too. Um, but if that's a situation that is possible for you, I think um, trying to help each other out. Um, you know, different members of my family would make sacrifices so those other ones of us could do things um, and, and get our educations. And so it, it required um, sacrifice and hard work from each one of us. But... And, and also, you know, just um, sacrifice in the sense of we would see other people getting to do stuff now, but we were just studying all the time. Mm. Um, and that's hard, too, when you're younger. Yeah. Um, you know, I would see people going out party all the time, and I was, you know, with this giant chemistry textbook, <laughs> like, you know, just kind of, <laughs> like, looking out the window, like, everyone else is having fun, yeah. and I'm in here oh. reading this book about protons and electrons and neutrons. Yay, me. Um, but um, but I, I think for, for us, it was worth it. Um, and I, I think, you know, everyone needs to evaluate for themselves what they think is, is worth it. Um, and so it, it wasn't easy. It, it was a hard road. Um, there were a lot of obstacles. Um, but I think our, our support of each other really greatly helped us out to get to where we are. And then also just hard-headed, stubborn perseverance. <laughs> um, I, th <laughs> I think, um, you know, that trait that I endearingly think of as like a Latina quality mm -hmm. is, uh, mm -hmm. as some people might say is stubbornness. I say it's persistence. Um, and so that actually helped me out a lot, too, because I wouldn't give up. If I mm. latched onto something, I would hold on so hard. Um, and so, you know, when I went to college, actually, an example is um, 
I went to a college, a private college. I had I'd gotten scholarships to go. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to go. Mm. Um, and I remember getting there, and <laughs> I had been at the top of my class at my public school. But I got there, and there were students from private schools who were just far beyond what I had ever been able to even have access to mm. educationally. And so that first year was so hard because I was trying to catch up mm. to people who were who had already had access to so much more than I had. Mm. Um, and so that was incredibly difficult. And I remember my first year, I, I, I didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to leave because um, it was so m- it was also a cultural shift because I moved from San Antonio to Dallas um, to go to school. So that was also hard in that respect. Um, but my family encouraged me to continue um, and to pursue what I wanted to pursue, which is science. Mm. Um, and so, th- I mean, there's a lot of other obstacles I could talk about, but that's just, you know, an example. Yeah. Um, and I think that that persistence is really what helps you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Just knowing. And I think it helps to know, like, to know what you want mm. in that sense. Like, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do exactly. Like, I didn't know, like, this is the career exactly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, I, but I just knew that generally I wanted to do something in science. Mm. And so I think that helped to have that, that passion. Yeah. Very cool. Um, well, Debbie, if people want to keep up with what you're doing mm-hmm. or when you have presentations and stuff, where mm-hmm. should they go to follow you or to get that information? Ooh, so on my Instagram, it's my Instagram is more informal. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's my way of saying it's my personal. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but it's renegade underscore chemist because I started as a chemist and now I'm running around doing other things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think just contact me if they would like, if anyone wants to follow what I'm doing, yeah. you can contact me. Just I've got my schedules and things and presentations. Very cool, yeah. cool. And I'll put mm-hmm. that in the uh, in the show notes mm-hmm. so people can just kind of click yeah. on it and, yeah. and find it there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It was thank a pleasure you to so have you. Thank you so much. Yeah, gracias. <laughs> <laughs> sí, hablas español bien. Sí. Deberíamos de hacer la, la entrevista en español mejor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sería muy difícil. Nah, difícil nada. No, no, super bien. <laughs> bueno, hasta la próxima. Hasta la próxima.